Above180.com, taking your bowling game to the next level. Tim Berg and Joey Serrar are ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews and coaching to drilling layouts. Now, from Washington, D.C. and the Bowlers Pro Shop in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, here are your hosts, Tim Berg and Joey Serrar. Another edition of the Above180.com podcast. Tim Berg along with Joey Serrar live from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Joey, how are things this morning? Uh, things are going real well, Tim. How about you? Doing well, Joey. Want to talk a little bit. We've kind of been expanding at the beginning of these podcasts on how our league play went. So tell me, how did things go Monday night in the Flat Earth League? Um, I bowled pretty well. Uh, I, I used the new Morich Rip R, which is a pearlized asymmetric ball, pretty much designed for medium oil, me- medium to a little heavier patterns, uh, factory finish. I polished it up. Uh, for those uh, technical guys out there want to know the layout, it had a 65 drill angle, a four and three quarter pin, and a 40 angle to the valve. Now, in layman's terms, that's long and strong. Basically played from eighth board out to about three. Uh, the long and short of it is 618 with a few holes in there. Uh, I think one miss, couple chops, and a couple splits. But, but the ball reacted good, and it was one of the higher scores on the pair. Uh, afterwards, played a little deeper in the pattern, strangely enough, uh, say around 13th board out to about board eight, and shot 250 with the Mulrich and went to the Anarchy and shot 288. So, you know, in hindsight, it's possible I should have been a little deeper in the pattern with a stronger ball as opposed to trying to flirt with the gutter and the friction. But, uh, I mean, sometimes you don't know. It's all educated guesses. And, uh, you know, or it's possible the lanes just got easier come uh, after Lee because we opened up, burned up a little hole in the pattern, and uh, they got a little bit more forgiving. Great, Joey. In my league play, I don't know if you noticed when I posted on Facebook what I had, but I started out 222 clean. 222 with two opens of two easy spares and the last game i had the front 11 and oh the, boy yeah this was on we're bowling on highway to hell and i threw probably the worst ball i've i threw the whole night frankly obviously and left the 36910 for a 296 yeah it's kind of disheartening isn't it tim when you throw 11 good shots leading up to that point and then just don't quite come through when you want to. Most important thing to me was that we actually won our uh, quarter. Our league bowls every pattern. We have a position round, and at the end of that pattern, the prize money is paid out, and we actually won that pattern, me and my partner. So that was ultimately the best part of the night, too, is we actually won the pattern and won the, this round, so to speak. So Right, and, and you know, so a lot of bowlers look at it as disappointment. They come in and they go, yeah, I only shot a 296 or 297, and I, I tell them, you know, it's like a, a pitcher, you know, having a, a pitching a great game and he gives up one hit and he pitches a one hitter. You know, in other words, one shot got away. The rest of the game was was beautiful or flawless. I mean, you got to be proud of that. You know, just because it's not 300 doesn't mean it was, it was a horrible game because oftentimes bowlers who shoot 300 do get away with one pretty bad shot. And, you know, it doesn't mean their game was better than yours by any means. So, I mean, you got to be proud of the fact you executed well for 11 consecutive shots, which is not easy to do, especially on a highway to hell pattern. Exactly, Joey. And just one thing I know that we were kind of discussing before we went on the air today was the whole concept of in league play, 
and we were talking about alcohol and do alcohol and bowling mix because it is a night out for a lot of guys. A lot of people, like you always say, are doing this just as a, as a hobby, as a recreation. But then again, you do want to take it somewhat serious. So, Joey, what are your thoughts sometimes when it comes to either having a couple beers while you're bowling? And then also, I noticed this, this past year at the USBC, they allowed alcohol and served alcohol on the lanes. So that was kind of a unique situation, I guess, in itself, wouldn't you say? Well, it was, and and that's up for debate if it's good for the sport's credibility or not. I mean, I personally feel it it cheapens the national tournament to a certain extent, but I realize why the USPC made that decision to increase revenue, and in tough times, you you do what you have to do. Uh, And I doubt if they'll ever rescind this rule because, again, it's added money coming in, and and right now they need revenue. Uh, regarding league, I mean, I myself have a couple beers during bowling, but I don't bowl well when I'm snookered, so I don't have you know shots and three, four, five beers. Uh, but there are some individuals who bowl infinitely better once they've loosened up a little bit, and you know some will pound three or four drinks before they throw their first ball because they feel it gives them confidence or it loosens up their inhibitions and. And they can play better. But again, the, I think the majority of bowlers are better off not exceeding their limit to maintain balance and focus. I agree completely, and I'm in the same boat as you. Every so often I'll have a couple of drinks, every so often I won't. But the thing that I notice is it seems like the guys who really take it serious, and these are you're still amateurs and you're still doing it for a, a recreation, but make no mistake, when we're out there on the lanes, you still want to win. And a lot of people don't drink just because of that. And I think... You have to, as a bowler, distinguish, okay, this is going to be something I'm going to take serious because I am putting my money towards, and I'm not going to have a drink for a couple hours, and if I can't do that, then there might be another underlying issue, but I agree with you. If you're just going to have a couple beers throughout the evening, that's fine. Well, exactly, and and some feel it's an advantage to have that alcohol. Others don't, and uh, uh, again, it's it's really uh, kind of a personal type issue there, Tim, and uh, Again, I, I know the league or the league or the bowling center proprietors much prefer people to drink more often, and 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 the only reason I do it's that's my night out during the week, and I like to loosen up a little bit from work, but not to the point where it's going to affect my ability to throw the ball well. I mean, we're not competing for hundreds and thousands of dollars, but you you still want to perform well. Yes, exactly, Joey. And and let's move along. We finished last week's podcast. We we were in the middle of a discussion. We were talking about pro shops. And we talked about what to do last week, if you missed it, regarding what to do if you're not maybe happy with your pro shop operator. How do you mention that to him? How do you tell that to him? Well, this week, we're going to focus more on how to find a good pro shop. And Joey, I've found a good pro shop by coming by you guys at Bowler's Pro Shop in Milwaukee. And I guess, what is one thing that you would advise a bowler out there to look for when they are trying to find a pro shop? Well, you know, I I can speak from my personal experience as well as uh, I speak to dozens of other pro shop operators, not just in the Milwaukee area, but uh, around the nation. And uh, I think uh, uh, the commonality an individual wants to find is a pro shop operator that, you know, A, listens. So when you're talking and explaining your dilemma, he can genuinely fix the problem. Uh, And secondly, B, uh, have a good knowledge base, you know, and uh, have a pro shop operator that's not afraid to experiment with different drilling procedures, different pitches, different offsets, uh, different balancing techniques. You know, you, you want to find someone who's who's very inquisitive and kind of a sponge for knowledge because 
you can't rest on your laurels for long, or like Lee Iacocca says, those who don't lead follow. So you, you, again, you need to find someone who uh, wants to be at the forefront of the, the technology of today. Well, exactly, Joey. And I also think it's very vital that the pro shop operator maybe say or be able to be honest with the bowler, even though it's a customer, be able to say, yeah, I don't know if that's the right ball for you right now. I think you maybe need this or, you know, maybe you should do this as opposed to the, the person who always says, yes, that sounds good. Yes, that sounds good. I think you have to have that relationship with your pro shop operator to say and then also the, the honesty to say, you know, what, you don't need a new bowling ball just because you shot. 520 last night you don't need to come in here and get a new piece you need maybe clean up your old stuff or maybe hey maybe we should just put a weight hole in the ball uh, you're exactly right tim and you know honesty is always going to be the best policy if you're not honest it'll catch up to you and before long you'll be out of business but uh, you know finding a good ball driller is probably akin to you know finding a good barber or hairstylist or finding a good dentist you feel comfortable with or doctor I mean, it's an important relationship that you want to build, and and naturally, the higher average you get in in the in the sport, the more important it becomes because you become more involved in the equipment aspect of the game. Well, that's what I was going to say, Joey. Exactly. When you're averaging 170 to 180, it might not matter if the ball fits you quite as well as when you're get getting to that higher level and want to keep improving your game. Where if you you stick in a ball or you don't come out of it properly. You might not release the ball well, which might definitely affects your carry. I'm going to disagree a little bit there. Regardless of average, even bowlers we get coming in that are you know beginners at, at 100 average or 130, 140, we feel it's essential for the ball to fit them perfectly because if it doesn't and they have either hand problems with, with blistering or rubbing or, or just major inconsistencies in release, they're going to quit the sport. Oh, no. So, I, you know what I'm saying, Tim? Yeah, I agree. I think the bowler themselves sometimes may not think it's a big issue. As I understand the pro shop operators, you're going to believe it's an issue. But I think a bowler might say, yeah, it doesn't fit the greatest, but it'll do. That sort of very, thing. And I, very true. I think that's what separates the guy who averages 180, who averages 220. Is it, no, this doesn't feel quite right. Can, can we take a little off? Can we put a piece of tape in? Can, we, can you round out the thumb hole a little bit? Can you do something so that it feels perfect? Right, and you know, separating a 180 and 220 bowler, it's uh, there's a lot of little elements that go into it, and one important element is a proper fit of the ball, uh, adequate knowledge of your arsenal, uh, knowing what surface changes will do to a ball, uh, lane play, handling pressure. I mean, there's a lot of elements that you know basically come as you learn the sport, and and you add them to your repertoire different releases, different loft, different speeds. I mean, these are all things that we can change as bowlers where we're not locked in with just one release pattern. Does the person who drills my equipment, I know you're a solid bowler. I know you say you're a pro shop operator first, bowling second. That being said, though, you're still above average when it comes to bowling. Does it always mean if, if you're a ball driller, should he be a good good bowler? Should he be a good average bowler? Or doesn't that necessarily play any part or play a big factor in whether he can drill a bowling ball right? Well, I don't think there, you know, there's a correlation without question, but is it mandatory that he be a 200 average bowler? Probably not. Uh, I mean, some of the best coaches in all of sports, golf, baseball, you name it, uh, they weren't necessarily stars in their own right, but, but they knew the game, but their expertise is in coaching. 
Uh, I've always felt my expertise is in in my business. I mean, the way I handle customers, uh, my quest for knowledge, uh, both in in equipment as well as reading hands and drilling the ball properly. Bowling has always been a hobby that I've loved and enjoyed, and, and I've had some successes on the way, but doing it recreationally, Tim, it's not my full-time job. I don't devote six days a week to bowling as I do the pro shop business. So, again, it's a hobby for me that I love. And my pro shop, which I enjoy going to every day, is work. But, again, that is my expertise without question. And I agree completely with that because I've had people that actually my coach right now that I'm seeing out of Pennsylvania was a bowler, had some some arm issues and wrist issues, and now coaches on and he's – a great coach and that doesn't he can't bowl anymore because of his his health issues doesn't mean certainly that I wouldn't trust him and don't trust him as a coach so I think you're exactly correct in in a lot of your assertions there Uh, I think it does help uh, at least to to know like you said if, if if you're a sponge for information and you're not the greatest bowler that's great that's what I look for because like you said you have to be up if you're not the best bowler I think you should be up on the latest equipment and what it does and what it does for a cranker stroker or ever, what it does for everyone. Uh, one question I do have, Joey, and I know your shop is not located, associated right with a center, so meaning you're a standalone center. Where uh, do you see that as an advantage or disadvantage sometimes? Well, you know, there's times we wish we had lanes connected to the building where we could, you know, watch someone throw or, you know, we even thought of installing a stub lane, but I think you need, you need a full lane to really get the full effect of how an individual throws with both approach and release and ball reaction. But, uh, again, I think there's advantages both ways. I mean, we have a a half a dozen bowling centers that send customers to us because they don't have pro shops in center. Uh, So, again, I can attract customer base from a number of different bowling centers where if you're located in a center, not many competitors are going to send people to you uh, in fear of they may lose that bowler as a league bowler. Uh, but again, the main advantage of being in a center is you have lanes at your disposal and uh, it is easier to watch the individual throw uh, then and there. Whereas for me, I have to make appointments with people and, and watch them bowl you know, after hours or during hours when it's not busy. Yeah, and I agree completely. I think right there you hit on a key point of being able to watch someone bowl. Now, the question I have is though, you're able to t- take a pretty good knowledge and know pretty much how I throw the ball just by bringing it in and looking at my track, though, right? So as a 180 average bowler, it's not that essential that you've seen me bowl in the past. I can be a new customer and walk in with my, my two or three bowling balls and say, okay, here's what I have right now. And you can get a pretty good grasp of how I throw the ball and, and right then, correct? Well, I can get a grasp of where your hand position is at release point. Uh, I don't know if you remember when I first measured you. I always kind of picked the brain a little bit of the customer in that, you know, are you a power player? What speed do you see registered on the monitor? Uh, do you have certain parts of the lane that you prefer to play, or can you play from board one to board 20? Uh, you know, in other words, as I measure, I try and, you know, receive information from the customer to add to my you know, a layout technique, let's say. If someone says, well, on the monitor it says 11 miles per hour, that tells me off their hand they're 13. Uh, are you a power player? And, they, and they'll go off, well, no. And the ones that say they're a power player, I always confirm with, say, another teammate or league member because some people think they have a high rev rate and they really don't. 
very good points there, Joey, because I, I know that's one thing right now with me being in D.C., you being back in Milwaukee, I'll still have you drill my equipment, and I'm guessing stuff hasn't changed a whole lot with how I throw the ball, but you're able to do that. And, and actually, Joey, we did receive an email here from uh, someone. Again, if you need to reach us at the show, it's above180 at gmail.com. That's above180 at gmail.com. And this is from Doug Lang, and he says, in almost 35 years of bowling, there is no person that I know of who knows more on the sport of bowling than Joey Sarar. He is a wealth of knowledge and the best bowling ball driller I know. I currently live near Cincinnati, Ohio, and still go back to Joey's Pro Shop in Milwaukee when I need a new ball. I fly back to purchase my equipment exclusively from him. I would advise anyone who needs bowling equipment or to help with their game to go to Joey's Pro Shop. You will not be disappointed. That was from Doug Lang again, and Doug's from Cincinnati. Well, I thank Doug for that. I mean, that's very flattering, but... uh you know, it, eventually or at one point or another, you do need to meet that customer naturally to, to, you know, check their hand over. And as we age, hands change every few years with flexibility changes, uh, skin texture can become drier. I mean, it, it's obviously much more beneficial the more often I can see an individual, you know, directly as opposed to long distance. Now, in your case, you know, you, you come to town now and then. Uh, Doug will visit Milwaukee to, to visit family, say, every few years. And I always recheck spans and everything and see if they've made major changes in their game or not. And, and most bowlers don't, obviously. But, uh, you know, you do have to have some one-to-one contact at some point or another to maintain, you know, good drilling standards. Very good point, Joey, as well. Well, Another week, Joey, and this, these episodes, these podcasts just fly by. want to thank you for joining me, Joey. It was great again, and hopefully there was a lot of great knowledge for you folks out there. And again, if you have a question, we'd love to hear them. Emails are coming in, Joey, so we know we got listeners at above180 at gmail.com. That's above180 at gmail.com. And by all means, if you have any comments, post them also on the website. We'd love to hear what you're thinking of the show, what you're thinking of the podcast. If you have a question for Joey about a certain ball that he's reviewed lately or one that he might be reviewing, a new release that's coming out. Well, thank you, Tim. And I'm curious what you're going to do for an encore after that 740 series. 